Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is like the first time that we've ever done this <laughs> that I can think of. Um, we're doing, this This is the Chaise Lounge. You found Cricket. And this is what? And we are doing a special bonus episode. We normally record on Saturday nights and uh, Vaughn is not working on Sunday. So we decided to do a special bonus episode um, to kind of talk about some stuff that we didn't get a chance to talk about yesterday. Um, so where do you want to start? <laughs> I say we just jump right into the main reason we wanted to do this in the first place. Yeah, and it was that, well, bless you, the the sneezing was the child. <laughs> Not Grogu the child, but our child. Right. Okay, so one thing that we didn't really get a chance to, to get into um, in uh, yesterday's podcast was uh, that rally in Georgia that Trump had. Um, for Kelly Loeffler and um, War, uh, was is it Warnock? Purdue. No, uh, Purdue. Yeah, Purdue. So it's Purdue and Loeffler. Right. Are they did not get fifty percent of the vote in the general election? Therefore, it automatically triggered a runoff election, which takes place on January the first, fifth or fifth, uh, first part of January. That's what I intended to say. It didn't come out that way. Um, so everybody on both sides is trying to whip up Georgia to vote one way or the other. And um, Trump was in Georgia Friday night? No, Saturday Saturday, Saturday night. Um, doing a rally for Loeffler and Purdue. Purdue. Now, if you... We watched probably half the rally. We didn't see the first half of it, but we saw the last half of it. Yeah. If you had not had a banner on the bottom part of this ticker that said Purdue and Loeffler. No, Trump, camp, Trump campaigns in Georgia for Loeffler and Purdue. Yeah. If, if that was not at the bottom of the screen, I would have had no clue that that's what he was doing. And everybody called it. Everybody knew he was going to make it all about him. Yeah. He spent the the hour of the rally that we watched. He spent literally the entire time whining about losing the election. And I mean, he he brought Loeffler and Purdue both out up onto the stage at separate times, and they were both on the stage for about fifteen seconds apiece. And all they did was just thank Trump and how wonderful he was. And what a great president you are and how we're going to get you four more years and blah, 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 blah. Right. But one thing that Trump said that I don't think a whole lot of people picked up on, but I picked up on it as soon as he said it. Um, he said, we're going we're gonna to win back the White House in 2024. Well, if you currently have the White House, which is what he's trying to make all of his followers believe, then you can't win anything back because it already belongs to you. Therefore, in that one little sentence, he inadvertently admitted that he knows he lost. Yeah. And this is all. But he went back and tried to cover himself because he was like, "But you, know, but you know, I, I don't want to wait till twenty twenty four to get another term. I, I mean, I want it now. I want to go back three weeks ago and get my term then. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> But he actually, um, they had a big, giant uh, screen out there, um, you know, so people in the back could see him giving his speech and whatnot. He actually had them play a clip from Newsmax talking about ballots that were incorrectly counted in the state of Georgia that would definitely have given him the win. The win. The big win. The big win. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out. Georgia was the closest 
loss that he had in in out of out of the states that he's right. contesting, he 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 lost by like twelve thousand votes. That's the closest it got. Everything else is like fifty thousand votes, a hundred thousand votes. He is way down. And no amount of oh well this ballot might not be okay, but this ballot is, no amount of that is going to flip that for him. No. This is not a situation like it was in the year two thousand, um where you've got uh, 537 votes separating the winner and the loser in one state. That's not this. But boy, is he trying his best to get uh, the Republican Kemp yeah. governor to help him out. Right. He, he's actively committing a crime. Yeah. And nobody is calling him on this. It is a crime to encourage someone to overthrow a free and fair election. What he is doing is a crime, and he's doing it on TV every night, and he does it on Twitter every day. But he is throwing Kemp under the bus. Yeah, after... He has turned all the... I mean, the dude is never going to win another election. Well, I don't know. He's still got cult members that just hang on his every word and think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But Trump says no, so they're not going to do it. Yeah. And so, I mean, he just he just keeps calling him worthless and how he won't step up. Oh, you're talking about Kemp's never going to win another election. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Kemp's never, yeah, he's he's going to lose the support of the GOP because Trump has deemed him unworthy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, I thought you were saying Trump was not going to win anymore. I was like, no, 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 no. Trump's going to get to do whatever he wants to do. Right. I'm talking about Kemp. Yeah, Kemp is never going to win in the state of Georgia again. I, I completely agree with you on that one. He ain't got a chance. And then he was talking about somebody. He goes, you want to run for governor? Yeah. <laughs> and but it, I, I'm still confused about one statement that he made, and I don't know if I can remember the exact wording of it. But it's when he said, he did one of the few times he did tell people to go out and vote, he told he said to vote for vote for these two guys get them in and if you don't mind add me to it yeah so what it, is he talking about i i couldn't figure that out either i don't know if he thinks that if these two win he also wins or i don't know if he thinks maybe they could add his name to the ballot and somehow that will you know like if they write his name in at the bottom that'll also get him votes I don't. It, he, well, I, I told you that he has told he is talking to somebody, and it got out that when he was telling people to put his name down on the and write his name in, because mm-hmm. he's telling people that it should count to where every two people that write his name in and vote for him at, for the senator spot should get him one vote to go back toward the presidential campaign that he already lost. Or a presidential election he already lost. <laughs> Dude would fail a, a fifth grade civics test. He absolutely has no clue how government works. And he doesn't care because it's not about running government correctly. It's not about running government according to how the Constitution set it out to be. It's not about following the laws and making sure, you know, he calls himself the law and order president, but this is not about following laws and and procedures for him. This is about winning. Yeah. At all costs. 
And the cost in this case is going to be the country because he is attempting to overthrow an election. And simply because it's a stupid coup doesn't make it less of a coup. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what cracks me up. So many people accuse the Democrats of trying to organize a coup against him to, to overthrow him. Well, what they were doing was not necessarily a coup because they were using legal means with which to try to remove him from office, even though they knew that there was going to be no chance of him being impeached and removed. They just wanted to get the impeachment on the record. Um, Because they knew that there was no way that he was going to be removed from office because you need two-thirds of the Senate to do that. And and under no metric did they have two-thirds of the Senate. So what people like to call a Democratic coup against Trump was more of a procedural thing to get an asterisk next to his name in the history books. Um, This, on the other hand, is the top leader of the United States asking Republicans to overthrow an election that didn't go his way. And that is just the most breathtaking abuse of power since the Patriot Act. Because he's made it clear that these people who help him overthrow this election are going to get rewarded. Oh, yeah. And if they don't help him then they're not going to be rewarded. They're going to be they're going to be cast out. They're going to be because did you see did you see that tweet where where the Washington uh, Washington Post did a survey of all the Republicans in Congress and 25 of them did not acknowledge him as the next president. Mm-hmm. So 25 out of however many Republicans are in Congress said no, the dude lost. He wants a list of those people. Yeah. Why does he want a list if not to intimidate them? You know, is that is that what we've or come he, to? He, he wants to throw them under the bus just like he did Kemp. That's exactly what he wants to do. And and he he look, I you Trump, don't kiss my butt, so therefore I'm going to try to get rid of you. Yeah, and Trump has been known for a long time um, by people who know him in New York. Um, he runs in. Um, mob style circles I'm not saying he's a member of the mob I'm saying he's done business with them and you don't do business with the mob without learning some things and and doing things a certain way and I I would be willing to bet that Trump has just straight up come out and threatened these guys and wants names so that he can apply his version of pressure to them to get them to bend to his will because that's what he's done his entire life. He bends people to his will. And it, the, nobody has ever really told him no in his entire life. Not his parents, not his family, not anybody that works for him. Because he's always been the little golden child. Nobody tells him no now either. Yeah, he exactly. He does whatever the hell he wants. Exactly. And that's that's one of the more frustrating things is because you see these guys like Mitch McConnell and you see you know other people in the Republican Party who claim to uphold and respect and revere the constitution just allowing this just what you see in front of you to happen and they just let it they just let it happen it says the only way he could possibly lose an election is by the other side cheating yeah that's the only way they can beat me and 80 million people say otherwise i mean 
I mean, it's just like he took the credit for somebody because there was senators and governors that won their elections in other states that were there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he looked over at one of them. He's talking about one of them that was there. He's like, he said, uh, talking about his endorsement mm-hmm. for this person. I don't know if it was a man or a woman. But he sat there and told him and said, my endorsement did you good, didn't it? And that's the reason you won, huh? Well, what cracks up, I caught that too. What cracks me up is that most of the people he endorsed two years ago and this year lost. His endorsement is worth less than the paper it's printed on. People don't like gave, his endorsement. He gave this person his endorsement, and that's the reason they won. Whatever. I think they probably won in spite of his endorsement, not because of it. I'm just still waiting to see how big the COVID spike is. After that rally that he had? Yeah, because I mean, we were watching the cameras. Were you looking for masks? I was. Yeah, I mean, all those people that were in the bleachers behind him, there's probably, what, a couple hundred people there? At least. And I think I saw maybe two. Yeah. Two or three. Yeah. That were wearing masks. Yeah. And, and, I mean, come on, people. (laughs) COVID's not a joke. No, now it got Rudy, too. Yeah, it just got Rudy. We just found that out today. COVID got Rudy, or Rudy got COVID, or whatever. Yeah, he's got the COVID. (laughs) He's got the rumor. I guess I shouldn't say COVID got Rudy because that makes it sound like it killed him. <laughs> I shouldn't have said it that way. But Well, knowing Rudy, it, this this might actually kill him. And there's no telling. It, it killed Herman Cain. I don't know why it would... Well, it killed the black guys, left all the white people alive. <laughs> Rona is a, apparently a racist disease. So have to wait and see. Yeah. But, I wonder if he's going to get the same treatment Trumper got. No, because he's not the president. He doesn't get experimental treatments. I, so, I would hope. So, so he didn't get the medevac and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. What do you know? The secret to uh, surviving illnesses is having free health care. Yeah. The best of everything. And lots of money. That, that's one thing I wanted to bring up, too. You know, they do these uh, studies um, where they're trying to figure out why people in, like, for example, France or Greece, or these other countries, why they live longer and they have better heart health and stuff like that. And they're, they're like, oh, well, they, they drink a glass of wine for dinner. It must be the wine. And no, it turns out it's free access to health care. It makes you live longer. Well, yeah, because, I mean, th- how many times have I told you I have I wasn't feeling well, and you're like, oh, we'll go to the doctor. And I'm like, nope. Can't afford it. Not going to it. Yeah, can't afford it. And, and we've got good health insurance. Still can't really afford it. You know, I'm I'm looking at a, a dentist bill right now that's, you know, quadruple digits right now. Can't afford that. So that's that's fun. So um, you can call me a socialist or a communist or a whateverist you would like to call me right now. But I want it on the record that Cricket supports universal health care, single payer. And um, I think that everybody should have uh, full and fair access to... Um, Medical care. Um, and and I realized that that is going to increase your taxes by anywhere from 1000 to $5,000 a year, um, depending on your, you know, depending on your tax bracket. Um, but even if my taxes went up $5,000 a year, it would still be a net savings for me because of how much I have to pay on health insurance, how much I have to pay on deductibles, how much I have to pay on out-of-pocket, how much I have to pay on prescriptions, and how much I have to pay that the insurance does not cover. 
even if my taxes went up $5,000 a year or more, it would still be a net gain for me. It would be a pay raise. Yeah, but people don't, they're not going to go for that just because of the fact you said, talked about their taxes going up. Mm -hmm. And that just freaked, the idea of that just freaks people out because they don't want to think about their taxes going up and... Well, that's all they're thinking about is their taxes going up, and they don't want to think about what are the long-term benefits of those taxes going up. Yeah, and, and what's the return on my investment? They're not looking at the, at the return either because you're getting a much bigger return on your tax investment than, for example, funding the largest standing army in the entire world um, that goes to war with people we're not at war with. You know, I, I think that I think that's one reason why we do the stuff that we do in, in countries that we're not at war with. I think it's to justify how much we spend on the military. Because our military budget's nuts. Have you seen it? Do what now? Our military budget is nuts. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely insane. And even if we paid every single penny of everybody's health care in a single-payer plan, that would be like 5% of our military budget, and that's it. You know, decrease the military's budget by 5%, give everybody health care, and we all win. But that's another thing people freak out about if you start talking about cutting some of the funds that goes to the military. Well, do you know where some of those funds go? They go to places like Ohio that make Abrams tanks, which we don't use anymore. But they have to keep funding the Abrams tanks tank facilities because if they don't, they'll lose the votes from Ohio. So nobody wants to be the guy to pull the plug on those plants because they'll lose jobs. And it's all political. What, what am I hearing? What, what, what is this? Did you, did you bathe that dog? Bathe the other ones. Bathe mine because he's stinky. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, they uh, it, it's all about getting votes. It's all about, you know, keeping people in line. It's all about, you know, justification of something that doesn't necessarily need to be justified. Um, I don't know. I'm out of things to say. <laughs> uh, it, like I said, I just keep going back to me. I wish we would have taken notes during that dang thing yesterday because there was so much crap that he was spilling out of his mouth just left and right. Well, one thing that I mentioned to you the other day, too, was if we had a real-time fact-checker on his rallies, they would be so overworked they wouldn't be possibly be able to keep up. Oh, there would have been like a, there would have had to been like a whole team of them. Yeah. Probably 20 or 30 of them. All right, when he lies, you take it, and then you're the next one, and you're the next one, and you're the next one. Yeah. When and he hopefully makes a you statement. can get done with yours before it rounds back around and gets back to you again. Yeah. But and and I don't know if you if you listeners have heard of a of a thing called a gish gallop G I S H gallop like a horse. Um, it is a logical fallacy that people will use to try to get one over on you. Um, a gish gallop is when you tell so many lies so fast that it is impossible to fact check every single one of them in real time, and so you just end up giving up. And Ben Shapiro uses this tactic all the time. Rush Limbaugh uses it all the time. 
Uh, Donald Trump is a master at it. He gish gallops everywhere he goes because he, it's just one lie right after the other. And you just can't keep up with the number of lies. You have to go back 15 lies to get him to answer one of them so that he can answer this one. And he, he's really good at using that specific logical fallacy to try to win arguments and to keep people shut up. Because at some point you just quit trying to argue with him because everything he says is a lie. It's like, how do you know when Trump lies? His mouth is moving and words are coming out. <laughs> you may need to speak up. I don't think your mic is picking you up very well. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you might want to get a little closer to it. But And then... I, I, I just wish people would take some of this crap a little more seriously and just realize what the hell is really going on. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, what were you telling me about the uh, the doctor in Oregon? Yeah, he uh, he got suspended because he was actively his, telling his, his license suspended. He got his license suspended by the the board in Oregon, uh, the uh, medical board in Oregon. Uh, because he was actively telling people to stop wearing masks. Yeah. He was going around telling his clients, do not wear a mask, they will not help you. And the board was like, stop. And then he wouldn't stop, and then they took his license away. Yeah. So he can't practice medicine in the state of Oregon anymore. Well, good, because he doesn't need to be. Yeah, he doesn't need to be. Either He's that or he was trying to get people sick. I don't know. Well, I was in an argument earlier today with somebody that was saying that masks don't work. And I was like, under what metric do they not work? You see spikes where people don't wear them. Mm-hmm. And then you see cases going down where people do wear them. They may not be perfect. And, and no mask is perfect. But it helps. It's one of several things you need to do to help keep yourself from getting sick. Yep. Mask is only one part of it. No, of course it's not 100% effective. But... A mask plus washing your hands plus social distancing plus not going out in crowds will help you and it will help everybody else around you so that Trump rally was what it was yesterday right yeah it was yesterday so that was on the fifth mm-hmm is today the sixth yeah today's the sixth so around the 19th or so is when you're gonna see the spike in, in Georgia they're saying they're already seeing a spike from Thanksgiving, even this quick. Well, yeah, because everybody, like, oh, screw it, let's go, let's go, let's go travel. Yeah, let's go get in the crowds at the airports because this stuff's not real. It's not really all that bad. Yeah, they're seeing, they're already seeing a Thanksgiving spike, and they're pretty much guaranteeing a Christmas spike as well. I mean, cause, I mean, I understand because they're like, well, most of the people that catch it don't get really get it that bad. And I understand that. Yeah, and that's true. But is that a chance you're willing to take? Well, obviously it's a chance you're willing to take for yourself. Mm-hmm. But is it a chance you're willing to take to bring it back home and give it to somebody else? Mm-hmm. Who may not have as good of an immune system as you have. It might, because some people get a mild cold and some people die from it. And you never know which way it's going to go. Yeah. I mean... That's that's not cool. I don't know. It's just sometimes you're like, man, I just it sounds horrible, but you know, that's like you've always heard. You know, the dumb ones seem to weed themselves out. Yeah. 
And that's what's going to end up happening. And I wanted to talk a, a little about herd immunity. I know you guys have heard have heard that concept before, where enough people have the disease so that it's not spreading any further. Um, I kind of well, I can't spread if everybody's got it. Exactly, can't spread if everybody's got it and everybody's dying from it. Um, but if herd immunity really worked the way people think it works smallpox and polio wouldn't still have been killing people. Yeah. And the only thing that stopped smallpox and polio was a vaccine. And getting at least 70% of the population vaccinated for it stopped polio and, and smallpox. And, you know, people talk about the chicken pox vaccine and everything why don't we just have them have chicken pox parties and let the let them just get it naturally okay yeah that's one way to go or we could just not have them suffer through chicken pox at all give them a vaccine and they're protected just exactly the same as if they'd had it because the thing with chicken pox everybody considers it to be kind of a well with you know you've had chicken pox it's not that big a deal right i haven't well, yeah, exactly. You've never had chickenpox. Um, chickenpox is can be a big deal because it causes shingles later later in life because that virus is always in your body, um, and shingles is not something you want to mess with. If you get a vaccine, you don't have to deal with shingles. Um, if the scarring is bad enough, it can change your appearance. You know, it's not just you get some itchy scabs and you're done with it. You know, sometimes that stuff can can last you a lifetime. And if you had the choice between risking your child's health for the long term and giving them something where they didn't have to worry about it forever, I think I'm going to choose the thing you don't have to worry about forever. Well, people were doing this because they didn't believe that there would be any long-term effects. Yeah. They didn't believe it when they were trying to tell them, hey, this is going to have long-term effects. Yeah. On your heart, your lungs. There's people that are on oxygen until the day they die because of COVID. And, um, you know, I I guess I've never really officially come out and said that I'm going to go ahead and get the COVID vaccine. But as soon as the CDC says that it's okay to do and the NIH says that it's okay to do, Dr. Fauci goes and gets his, I'll be first in line. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm extremely pro-vax. Well, as, soon, as soon as they say, hey, we're going to have vaccinations here, I, I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and you know, people are like, oh, well, you don't know what's in vaccinations. I, yeah, you do. And people get scared about the inserts, and they're like, oh, well, you need to read the vaccine insert because it's got all these side effects. Well, all these side effects are not going to happen to one single person. <laughs> It's this dude got a headache from it, and this guy has something else happen because of it. And this guy, when he got the vaccine, he had, you know, he he got the the Gillian Barr syndrome or whatever it's called, you know, where it messed him up for the entire life. But not every that doesn't happen to everybody, and it yeah. and every single thing on that vaccine insert doesn't happen to every single person. That's just everything that has happened to someone. Exactly, and the chances of those things happening to you is so infinitesimally small that the ri- that the reward far 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 outweighs the risk. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I know that for me it definitely does, and so I, I will definitely be taking it when it becomes available. Yeah. Va- vaccines are one of the greatest experiments that we've ever had in our history, and it has worked the best out of just about anything we have because we, we've, tested it on, we've tested vaccines on more people than we've ever tested anything before, and we've gotten a better result out of all that testing. Um, you know, just infest, infinitesimally small numbers have something wrong with them to the point where it's a rounding error if you have something wrong with you, you know. And, and of course, that right. sucks if you're the one person that has something wrong. You know, that, that's horrible and everything. But but don't ruin it for everybody else. You know, don't, don't run out there saying, nobody needs to get vaccines because this horrible thing happened to me. Okay, you had a bad reaction to it, but these 80 million other people didn't. And so, leave them alone. <laughs> Quit telling other people to stop getting vaccines because you were you happen to be the one bad case out of however many millions. And I'm, of and I'm tired of hearing too. Well, if you're wearing your mask, it shouldn't matter if if anybody else is wearing theirs. So why are you worried about it? Mm-hmm. Because the mask is not perfect. What do we talk about? The stupid apocalypse. It's not zombies. It's dummies. <laughs> well we're at 30 minutes do you want to make this a short episode or do you want to keep going yeah because i really don't have a whole lot of other stuff to talk about like i said i wish we would have just made some notes about that thing because that was there was a lot of crazy stuff he was talking about in there i mean and, and like i said everybody knew he wasn't going to go down there and talk about Loeffler and purdue you knew that from the, I knew that from the second they said, okay, it was for Loeffler and Purdue. Mm-hmm. So why in the hell did they call it a Trump rally? Right. Right. Right then and there, you knew what his main goal was. Mm-hmm. Is that he just wants to get down there and he likes having people cheer for him and clap. Mm-hmm. If this was a rally to bump up Loeffler and Purdue... They should have been the ones on stage talking about what they're going to do for Georgia. Have They should have had three podiums up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead and put Trump right there in the middle. Put Loeffler and Purdue there beside him. Because mm-hmm. it was about them. It's not That's about him. That's what supposed to have been for. He's not on the ballot in Georgia anymore. And, and can I just point out, guys, um, if you've made it this far... Um, if the Democrats were gonna steal an election, Mitch McConnell would not be the in, in the position he's in right now. No. Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, all those guys would have also been taken out of office along with Trump if the Democrats were going to rig an election. Because I guarantee you that whatever damage Donald Trump has done in the last four years, Mitch McConnell has done more. And he is more hated, if that's possible, by Democrats than Trump ever was. I think they need to go audit all the votes in Kentucky because there is no way that a man with a 15% approval rating got 60% of the vote. Well, that's another one of those poll things. I mean, you got to look at who they go and talk to to get to answer these questions. 15% approval rating is... Yeah, but whoever Awful. went and did that probably went to the areas of, and 
more or less asked people that they knew were going to say no, that they don't like him. But that's across many different polls. That's not just one poll. Mm. I mean, he's 15 to 16 percent. He's he's scraping the bottom. I mean, people don't like him in Kentucky. I don't understand how he keeps getting elected unless he is himself rigging the election, which he's probably doing because he gerrymandered the crap out of the state. Yeah. Which, that's the only way that these guys can win is by gerrymandering these districts. Choosing their voters. That's what they do. But, oh, before we go, you have an update on the monolith that we talked about yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we talked about the monolith, and uh, we were... Uh, my, my theory was that it was like um, some kind of viral marketing campaign for like Hulu, or you know, like a new show that was coming out. But we found out today that it was an artist team. A team of artists that were going around the world putting up these monoliths to kind of advertise themselves, which is pretty cool because... Everybody knows about them now. We know about them now, and it's awesome. And uh, they actually have the the monoliths for sale um, because that's part of their art installation. And they wanted wanted people to be kind of freaked out about them and to wonder what was going on, and then that way when they told people what they were, they were like, oh, okay, cool. I can get one of the monoliths. Yeah, one of those monoliths (laughs) they were talking about? I'm buying one. (laughs) I think that's a pretty cool idea. I don't know the. Hang on, I'm I'm gonna look at because I'm I'm sitting here going, oh yeah, it's a it's a team of artists. I don't even know their names. Hang on, um, artists behind Monolith. <coughs> Let's see, stunt artists. Oh, they sell new Monoliths for forty five thousand dollars. Wish I could get forty five thousand dollars for a hunk of metal. Let's see. Um, a community of artists known as the Most Famous Artist has posted photos and clues on its website and social media channels that seem to take credit for the triple-sided metal monoliths that have been popping up. So, so apparently they think very highly of themselves, huh? Apparently. I wonder if they're trying to be like um, like Banksy. Who? Oh my gosh, you don't know who Banksy is. He's a political artist. Um, he makes political statements with his art. Um, he was, um, what he does is he, he does stencils and spray paints. Mm-hmm. And nobody knows who Banksy is. Nobody's ever seen his face. Obviously, somebody knows who Banksy is because he's got help doing this stuff. Right. But Banksy doesn't exist. His art just appears in places. It's really cool. And do you, there was an episode of Suits that dealt with him. Do you remember? Uh, Neil so. Caffrey yeah. pretended to be Banksy. Like, they never did say that he was Banksy, but it was like heavily implied that he was Banksy. See, that made me think about this uh, thing I saw on the news one day. It, this guy in some neighborhood, I couldn't even tell you what state it was in or where, but there was a part of like this under- overpass. Mm-hmm. And he would go down there and do. Is it, is it the, like tagging stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. he would do like artwork and stuff on it, but he would do it with chalk. Mm-hmm. And then he would do it. And then, of course, somebody reported him for all this stuff. And he's like, he brought, you know, the cops came down there. And he's like, yeah, but I did it in chalk. Cause watch, he goes down there with a bucket of water and pours the bucket, you know, splashes the bucket of water on there and it all just washes away. Yeah. He said, I'm doing it in chalk. It's nothing permanent. And they're like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. You're not hurting anything. You're not vandalizing it. Right. That's fine. Well, he did, and he just kept doing these different ones. And then one of them that he did, I guess he went a little extra with it or something. And then when he went down there the next day with his bucket of water, went to go pour it out, 
he, he splashed the bucket of water on there and the water hit it the water came down <laughs> and his chalk drawing was still there oh crap and he was like <laughs> oh shit what the hell just happened so he like went and got like found like a water hose or something and he's like spraying it down and it's not coming off oh no and he he's trying to figure out what's going on and he actually called the cops <laughs> <laughs> he said look I know we had y'all already had this talk with me he said I don't know. I'm using the same exact chalk. I don't know why it's not coming off. Well, one of the other neighbors or somebody that has been seeing this stuff mm-hmm. show up and then get, disappear and you know, get erased or whatever. He said he saw one, the, that one that he did, and he liked it so much. He went down there with some lacquer <laughs> and a paintbrush and painted over it to protect it because he, he didn't know the same person that was doing the chalk drawings is the one that was washing them off. Yeah, he thought it was being washed off. Like, Somebody else was washing it off. Yeah. And he, he really liked this one. And so he went down there with some lacquer and a paintbrush <laughs> and painted over the whole thing to protect it. And this guy goes to pour the water on there. It's like, Psh! and then it's still there. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I thought that was cool. That's a cute story. Thought that was pretty neat. I forgot. So now all he's about got that. some. Now he's got some permanent art up there that he didn't intend to be permanent. <laughs> I guess. Like I said, I, I like I said, I couldn't begin begin to tell you where it was at. Some of this stuff uh, that I've watched on YouTube about some of this temporary art that that people put into it, you know, I can understand being an artist and doing something that will last. Doing a painting, doing a, you know, just a, a carving or what, whatever. You know, you do something and, and it'll be there. It's there for a while. It's there for a while. But there are people who specialize in temporary art, sand art. Ice sculptures. Ice sculptures. And they put all of this time and all of this effort into these beautiful works of art. Like these sand art that that I'll see them do. And they take little funnels with colored sand and they just make these beautiful mandalas and and just, just these beautiful pictures. And then when they're done with it, they take a picture of it and they just run their hand through it. Yeah. Because they're done with it. And that just, like... Like, no! Yeah, I'm, internally I'm just screaming, like, no, don't do that. And We even get to this, like, some of these sand castles and people make out oh, the beaches are so intricate. I know. And but you know I guess, they're not going to last. I guess it's about the work. It's not about, you know. Yeah. It's not about the, the accolades that could possibly come later. It's about, I did this and I'm proud of it. And now yeah. I can do another thing and I'll be proud of that, too. I, you know. The ice sculptures is just crazy. Because people pay a sh- crap ton of money for those things. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they do. just melt away. I like the ice sculptures that have uh, the hole in the middle of them, where you can pour like your tequila in, in like, and it's chilled and by it's the time chilled it comes when out. it comes down. Kind of like some of that crap that Morimoto uses all the time. Oh, that's what I was thinking of when we were <laughs> when we were watching um, Iron Chef, and and it was Battle Ice, and everything that they made had to have some type of ice element. And they did dry ice, and they did ice sculptures. And he made a smoker out of ice, which yeah. was just bonkers. Like it was an ice block, and he just like carved it out and like put the smoke. And it, it, they're they're like, oh, this is the best smoked fish ever, or whatever, you know. Yeah, Morimoto is nuts. He's like a god. Yeah, I mean, the, he didn't always win on like his flavor, but his plating. I don't know if I've ever seen him lose on plating. Yeah, plating and presentation, he always wins on. Although one time I actually saw him lose on presentation in Iron Chef. 
believe it or not. Really? He lost. And they said the reason he lost is because his presentation didn't fit the theme well enough. Oh. His presentation was way better than the other guys, but he was doing flashy presentation. Yeah. You know, and it was like his little fish and chips had this little wicker chair that you know it was like so big and he put the little chips and stuff on the seat of the chair and had the little fish coming up. And it was just, it was this beautiful little setup, but it didn't match the theme. See, I could never go to a restaurant where if Morimoto was actually doing his chef stuff in the back, because uh-huh. they would bring out one of these plates and I'm like, I'm not messing that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's too pretty. <laughs> I couldn't, no. <laughs> Go, go bring me an ugly plate of food. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but then you got people like Simon who just... You know... I, now, that's another one. I've, now, I have seen Morimoto lose battles. Yeah. I don't know if I've, I've seen ever, Flay lose battles. I don't know if I've ever seen Simon lose. I don't think Simon has ever lost. But when we were watching The Next Iron Chef, the season that he was on, he lost two episodes real early in the season. He lost like he lost and then he won and then he lost. And then he never lost again. He was always at the top. Mm-hmm. And he was coming up with some of the most just bonkers food. They would be like, We're giving you some bark and a squid. And he would come up with something fantastic. And they're like, This is the best bark I've ever eaten. And you know Probably make the squid look like bark. <laughs> It was just nuts. And, yeah, he. I don't like the way he laughs. He drives me nuts. Oh, like, yeah. As long as they just need to keep his, turn his microphone off so we can get to listen to him, to him laugh and then just let him go cook. <laughs> but he, I would love to eat at a restaurant where Michael Simon was the head chef. I would like to eat some of his food. Really would. Uh, Bobby Flay, you know, everybody knows Bobby Flay. I, I don't really have any desire to go to any of his. And I, I don't know why. I don't like Bobby Flay, and I can't figure out why. Yeah. I just I just have never liked him. Um, he, he Guy Fieri <laughs> is my heart and soul. <laughs> he, he's on my list. Now, they were talking about him that he has done more for small business restaurants than yeah. any government has ever done because he himself has raised millions of dollars Yes, to donate to these small family-owned restaurants and yes. stuff around the country. That's the whole point of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. He doesn't go to chain restaurants. He goes to these little mm. failing restaurants that are out in the middle of BFE, and he gets people out there. Because he's like, this is the best fish sandwich I've ever had. Well, like we went to that one that was in Atlanta. Yeah. I can't remember the name of that diner. Uh, it was the, the, the Silver Skillet. Silver Skillet, yeah. Yeah. It was on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. And it's this little diner that has been in like the middle of Atlanta since the 60s. And it looks like it's straight out of the 60s. Yeah. We sat at the counter. They had like a soda jerk. We got homemade pie. Oh, my God, that homemade pie. Yeah. That stuff was good. You know, now, the one we stopped in Louisiana that he'd been to, uh, I was not impressed with that at all. I don't think that one was on Donner's Drive-Ins and Yes, Dives. it was. That's the only reason we went to it. I thought that one was just on the Food Network. Nope. Okay. That was on one of his shows. Okay. And we went there, and I got some spicy thing. I'm thinking, Louisiana, yeah, spicy. Yeah, 
And that was the most bland hamburger I've ever had in my life. It was right. horrible. Yeah, and my food wasn't wasn't good yeah, either. It was not worth the stop. But you can tell when Guy Fieri goes someplace and doesn't like the food. You can tell. Yeah. It's on his face. He does his best to hide it. He does his best to pump these people up because the whole point of him going to these places. Look at it too, and how many times he takes a bite of that food. Yeah, if you he can, don't like it, he takes one bite. He tells them about how good he is, and he then he goes and he on. He never and touches like, it. So again. What are we going? What are we? What else, what else you got for us? Yeah. But there's some of those things he'll eat it, and you just see you just see his eyes roll back in his head, and he just keeps going after it. And you're yeah. like, you know, that shit's good. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, there's a lot of people that have tried to make me feel bad for my love of Guy Fieri, but I just, I idolize the man. He's, he's got to be, I, I'll just, I'll sit there and, and, and put the Food Network on and just watch, just, just marathon watch, binge watch Donner's Drive-Ins and Dives just all night. Oh, see, that reminds us, when I was playing Xbox with the guys last night, it was one of them that was talking about how Guy Fieri did that. And I was telling us that, you know, that means like, some place called Mom's Diner. They should change the name and said, "Brought to you by Flavortown, Mom's Diner, <laughs> or Mom's Diner, brought to you by Flavortown." <laughs> Give him his props. <laughs> well, that that Tijuanitas that that we like to eat at calls themselves Flavortown, and I I just I wonder if that has something to do. Like I wonder if Guy Fieri had anything to do with that. I don't know, but I know that those dead gum blackened alligator bite tacos they got. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I have, good. I have tried several things there at Tijuana's, and I have not found anything bad yet. No, but those seafood enchiladas they got are... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and and I had I had oysters. I've never had I've never had oysters not before. Not raw oysters. Not raw oysters. Not like oysters. They on were um, they were um, oysters. Um, they they like cooked them over the fire. Yeah, and they, they were had like grilled oysters. Yeah, and they had uh, parmesan and they had like filling and, and stuff over the top of them, and then they then they like baked them over the fire, cooked them over the fire. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so good, so good. Like I, I'm I'm hooked. I'm I'm an oyster person now. As long as I can get oysters like that. Like every couple of months, we, we would. Put back some money into the Tijuanitas <laughs> fund because they're not cheap. They ain't cheap. Worth every penny, but they're not cheap. But it is worth every freaking penny. Yeah, Man, that place is so good. Yeah, I'm ready to go back again. And and it, it was it's kind of a funny story. The the manager came out and talked to us one night when we were pretty lit. Um, but, yeah. And she stayed over there with us for for a while, uh, talking to us. But she told us the story of Tijuanitas that it was a husband and wife that actually started Tijuanitas in Louisiana. And uh, then they fell out. They got a divorce. Um, in the judgment, she got the restaurants. So he was not allowed to open any more Tijuanitas in Louisiana. Yep. So he came to Texas, opened up a whole bunch more. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing really well. Oh, yeah. Really well. And I was even worried about because the location that they put it in. Oh, it's a terrible location. There's been a lot of restaurants that have yeah. come in and out through that place that I think the Western Sizzler is like the only one that lasted for a while. Yeah. We had a Poncho's there, and or Posado's. Posado's. There was a buffet that was there. Mm-hmm. It was a Chinese restaurant mm-hmm. one time. And then these people come in, and then you're just like... That place is cursed. I mean, Yeah, like, but they are booming. Yeah. They have live music Thursday through Sunday nights. And it, it's good It's good music, too. I yeah. mean, it's... And then they have like a dedicated oyster bar. Um, where you just you know, 
go up and get your oysters. And and the food is pricey. And I'm talking like 20 bucks a plate pricey. I mean, that may not be pricey to you. Well, but that, that was is. 20 bucks for your seafood enchiladas. The, the alligator bites that I always get are like 10 or $11. Yeah. But the portions that you get justify the price. Yeah, they don't scamp on it. Yeah, you're getting two meals out of that plate of food. Minimum. Now, now Vaughn does not get two meals out of the food. He, he, he. I eat all my tacos. He eats all his tacos, but I, I always get at least two meals out of it, and yeah. it, and it reheats really well. So you know, I really like it. So if you ever get a chance to go buy Tijuanitas, you have our endorsement. No, absolutely. Not that our little podcast is worth a whole lot, but nope. <laughs> maybe one day we'll get a lot of listeners. Oh, and I was looking; a whole bunch of people have actually listened to our la- to the one that we posted yesterday. That's so cool. I was so excited. Did you say we had somebody in Poland that has listened to one of our podcasts? Somebody in Poland has listened, and somebody in Germany, and somebody in Mexico. I was looking at the world stats, you know? Yeah. Of course, most people are from the United States, of course, obviously. But we have some, you know, there's like a couple in the United Kingdom, and, you know, just kind of spread in these weird little places. They just stumbled across our podcast and decided to listen to it. We've got somebody in Texas that listens. That we haven't, we didn't know about until today. Shout out. Wait, oh, that could be uh that could be uh, uh Aaron from from Waco. So shout out if it's Aaron, hi. Yeah, hi. it's you, thank you. <laughs> Didn't think of, yeah. I'm not gonna say I forgot about her because you can't forget about her. You can't her. forget about her. She's too awesome. Yeah, she is an awesome lady. She's a uh, little backstory, she ra- helped raise our kids, basically. Yeah. I mean she kept them for a long time. And yeah. so and I know that she did a wonderful job with those kids. Because never once did they act like that they didn't want to go back to Miss Aaron's house. That's right. I mean, they enjoyed being there. Yeah. And so... But and but never did they come back spoiled either. No. You know, they didn't go to Miss Aaron's house because they got everything that they wanted. They went to Miss Aaron's house because they liked her and they respected her and they had fun while they were there. And yeah. they, got, they, got, they got raised right, you know. Because we're, we're a two-parent working household. We have to have help raising our children. We can't do it alone. Yeah. Because one of us is not staying at home all the time to raise the kids. That's because you don't have a job like you need to yet. Well, when I get that job <laughs> where I'm making enough money, you can stay home and be my house bitch. I will be a house bitch quicker than shit. But we have always had help raising our children, whether it was Nana and Papa in Waco or whether it was whether it was Aaron in Waco, you know, and really these people have, have brought so much to our lives. And, you know, Erin was always there for us. She, I, I found her and was going to go, like, interview her to be our babysitter and ended up having to take the kids there that day and said, can you please take care of the kids? Like, I don't know you, but can you take care of the kids? And she ended up becoming, like, this huge part of our lives. Oh, yeah. Which is all Like, like we travel from where we live now back to Waco to go to her kids' birthday parties. Yeah. That's how big of a part of our, our lives that they were. You know how much we respect and treasure them. And, and I don't know if you talk, know about this or not, but you were going through some issues, personal stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it has to do with family. I'm not sure. But I knew that you were seeking her counsel. Mm-hmm. And I, I just sent her a random message one day, and I said, I just want to say thank you. She's like, what? <laughs> And I was like, well, I, 
I told her, you know, so I, I knew that cricket came to you. And I said, I'm just really thankful that she's got people out there that she can go talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't want to talk to your spouse about everything. Yeah, well, sometimes you have to talk to, sometimes your spouse is the problem. Problem, right. <laughs> so you got to have somebody else. Yeah. And I just told her, I said, I really appreciate you being there for her. Yeah. And so, I mean, she's been there for us for a long time. And every year I get a text message from her in April about the last week of April. And it's always Justin Timberlake saying, next week is going to be May. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every freaking year. And sometimes I'll beat her to the punch and send her the Justin Timberlake. And sometimes she'll beat me to the punch and she's like, gotcha. <laughs> it's going to be May. <laughs> Every year. And I think this last year, she got me even better because she didn't send me a Justin Timberlake one. The last week of April, she sent me a picture of ramen noodles. And I went, oh, because his hair. Oh. That's that's like a God tier meme because you've got to know, you've got to know about three or four different things to it's, understand it, that See, meme. that's one thing I like about Timberlake too is because he's been in commercials and he's like in on the joke. Yeah. I love it when people are like in on a joke. Like one of my favorites ever. I have ever seen is the one with Barack Obama and he's trying to dip his cookie into the milk <laughs> and, he and it won't fit too big. and if the cookie's too big it won't fit in the glass he's like oh, thanks Obama <laughs> <laughs> I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it when people have a good sense of humor about yeah, themselves and when they're in their own they're in on their own joke yeah you know they're and, having and they fun with it yeah and they don't like resent people for making the joke Right. You know, and Justin Timberlake occasionally on Twitter, because, you know, the, it's going to be May things are it's like all over the place in April. And occasionally on Twitter, he'll get, he'll get on Twitter and be like, dude, I know what time of year it is. Oh, I, I've seen one. It's like, <laughs> it was like early one morning, like on the last day of April. It's like, look, everybody. Or it was like two, a couple of days before. It's like, yeah. look, I know what Monday's going to be. Okay. <laughs> Not everyone has to tell me. And, of course, he says that, and, and, and of course, everybody, everybody just bombards yeah. the hell out of him <laughs> with, with memes about it. it's going to be May. <laughs> it's like, it's me, guys, not May. We know what you said, JT. Right, we know, we know. <laughs> we don't care. This is funnier. But, anyway, okay, well, we have gone about 30 minutes longer than I actually thought we were going to go. Oh, we so had fun just, we just chit-chatting. Yeah, just chit-chatting. I'll have to uh, message Erin to let her know that she's featured prominently in the <laughs> in the podcast. But uh, yeah, we need to go back back to Waco and when when this when we can all get our our vaccines and be safe to be around each other. We need to go I may back have there. To and go back them. to Waco just so I can try to find some freaking ammunition. I know. Well, see, all I need is one bullet. So that's all I ever need when I go hunting. Well, I just guess one. at that rate, then you're you're good for the next seven eight years. Then. Yep. Yep. Even if I go every week, every weekend, just one bullet. That's all I need. That's all you need. <laughs> if you need more than that, you're doing something wrong anyway. Well, I just, I still cannot get over that because right through the heart and lungs. I mean, just like textbook, perfect shot. I'm proud of that one. The only time I've ever shot more than twice is the time I dropped the two deer. <laughs> 
Well, now there was a there was a time when I shot three times. Well, that's just because you weren't familiar with your gun. I wasn't familiar with my with my scope. Scope. Um, I had a brand new thirty. Well, it was new to me. It was a thirty out six. Came with this high dollar scope on it, and I am used to when I am out further than you know fifty or sixty yards. Well, you, you normally compensate ze- for you, drop. You normally zero in a gun at a hundred yards. Right. If they're beyond that, you got to compensate for bullet drop. Right. So you've got to aim above whatever you're aiming at, and then the bullet will drop and hit where you're... That's what I'm used to doing. Um, this scope compensated for that. Yes. So you aimed it directly at whatever you were aiming it at. You dialed it in to however many yards away it was, and it compensated. Yeah. This thing was set on 200 yards. I had no clue because I didn't know how to use it. And these deer were about 200 yards away. And I aimed at them. <laughs> Well, well, you told me those deer were. They were probably a good 250 yards. Because when I looked at the scope, you had it up at like 275, 300 or something like that. Yeah. Is what you had it set on. Yeah, they were a ways away. Yeah. But this is before it all grew up out there. But I, there were three deer just walked out, and I'm looking at them. And they're in the path. And so I took aim, and I fired, and one of the deer looked up and looked at me. And then went back to eating again. And I went, you mother. And so I took aim, fired again. The deer looked at me. I was like, damn it. <laughs> what am I doing wrong here? I'm calm. I'm aiming about an inch above their backs like you're supposed to. Well, apparently, because I was aiming it correctly, the stupid bullets were whizzing right past them. At about an inch above their backs. At back. about an inch above their backs. So that's the only time I've ever fired more than once at a deer. Most of the time, I quick scope those bastards. <laughs> if it works, it ain't stupid. That's right. All right. Well, we're going to knock it down for the night. Thank you for yep. joining us on our bonus episode. We have had so much fun, and we will see you next week. Bye.